This is the Demand Excellence Podcast with Jonathan Guess, head football coach of Eagles Landing Christian Academy on the south side of Atlanta. Coach Guess is the author of the book, Demand Excellence, on and off the field. The goal of the Demand Excellence Podcast is to encourage, equip, and entertain Christian leaders and coaches across the world. Okay, everybody, I'm here with Coach LeBlanc from Westminster Christian Academy. And Coach LeBlanc, tell us to tell the listener how you got to Westminster Christian Academy. Just kind of take us through your coaching path. Well, uh, I, I started at American Christian Academy in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I worked for a man named Stephen Hooks, and I was there for seven years. And um, we had a lot of success and um, couldn't have asked for a better man to work for, you know, right out of the gate, you know, right out of um, grad school. And I did that for seven years. I was his defensive coordinator and linebacker coach. And then, um, man, through God's providence, I got a call one day to be a graduate assistant at the University of Alabama. And um, I didn't apply for it. I just had somebody that I knew had just recommended me without me even really knowing it. And um, next thing I know, I got a call from Coach Shula. And I worked for him uh, for two years, and then I worked for Coach Saban for one year. Um, After that, I uh, went to the University of West Georgia, where I was a recruiting coordinator linebacker coach and uh, that's where I met you recruiting Eagles Landing and then um, felt like God was leading me back to the high school ranks and in 2013 we moved to Huntsville, Alabama, took a job at Westminster uh, working for Stephen Hooks again. He had moved up here during that time and uh, was his defensive coordinator for three seasons and then he got promoted to be the head of school here and he um, promoted me to be head coach. I've been head coach since 2016 so that's that's how I got here. So, Coach, now you're there currently, and you and I talked last week. And one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you because, you know, we've been talking about you had great success last year. I'm talking about in 2018. And you ended up having great success in 2019, but it didn't start off successful. And you started off 0-2, and, and there were some challenging situations. And you said something that stuck out to me. And you said your parent, through talking with your parents and your players, you guys had a revelation, which I think is a huge deal and issue these days. But you said this, in our effort to make the kids better and push them and challenge them, we actually are telling them they are not good enough. Kind of go through the scenario you had there at the beginning of the year. I think a lot of coaches go through that. You want to win, but you're not winning. Things aren't going how you want it to go. Talk about that a little bit. Yes, sir. So you're right. We we came off uh, the best season in school history in our first ever region championship uh, with that 2018 team. So you know, everybody was ecstatic, and um, we finished 11 and one under some amazing senior leadership. And so expectations were high for the 2019 Wildcats and. We opened up the season, though. Just one thing where you, you said we, we start out 0-2. We actually opened the season with a 68-34 to win and okay. a defensive struggle. <laughs> um, and it looked great. I mean, that offense was clicking. And um, so it appeared we might pick up where the 2018 team had let off. And then we lost two straight. And so we're sitting at 1-2 and two with more losses in three games than the previous year's team had in 12. And I'm telling you, Jonathan, you know, despair set in and – 
you know, we started letting that poor record define us. So that weekend was really tough for me. Uh, I doubted myself. I began to feel like a failure. I prayed a bunch over that weekend and um, really was unsure of what to do next and called on some mentors of mine and just, you know, they gave me great guidance. And I felt God was leading me to talk to our team about who we are in Christ and how we are not our record, whether our record is good or bad. So I called a 7.30 Monday morning meeting um, after that second loss. Um, I gave each young man a note card and instructed them to list negative labels that they or someone else had assigned to them at some point in their lives. And then I told them we're going to meet back at 3 p.m. to talk about it. So the next seven and a half hours were really hard for me because I knew I needed to share some things with the team I had not shared with uh, anybody outside of you know my wife and a few people that were really close to me, but I felt like I needed to do it. Even brought in my uh, strength coach Garrett Keith to just pray for me. Man, I said, I mean Garrett, I need prayer right now. And so everyone gathered at three o'clock, and man, the tension was thick. And I was staring at a very somber and dejected group, and I asked them to get their note cards out and hold them up. And everyone had written something on their cards, and I think they thought I was going to make them read their cards out loud, but I didn't. So I pulled out my card out of my pocket and I read to them what I had written and I'd wrote, I'd written down, I'm worthless. I'm not good enough. I don't matter. I'm insignificant. And I told them these negative labels stem from many events in my life, some more traumatic than others. I got very real and raw and personal. And it was, um, it was really hard to draw back the curtain on things that I've never shared with a large group like that. And to show weakness, you know, in front of a group of guys, you know, I had all my coaches in there, but I felt like I needed to do it and felt like God wanted me to do it. And what I told them was these negative life experiences left me feeling not good enough, worthless, insignificant, and losing two straight games only confirmed that those feelings in my mind. So I was being ruled by my circumstances, and that's when God stepped in and shook me up. And I had to remind our team that, that we bear the image of our Creator. We matter because He loves us. And we're so valuable to him that he sent his son to die for us. It might be saved. And he felt we were worth so much that he risked everything so that we could be with him. And I told him one day, you know, I'm going to stand before God and fall on my knees and say, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. And he's going to say, yes, you are, because you're my son. And just thinking about that brings, man, tears to my eyes. And um, so I felt we all needed to remember that we're new creations in Christ and we cannot let current circumstances define us. So we went on we had the, the best practice that day um best of all i had several young men approach me wanting to, to talk about their negative labels uh god had opened a, up a door for me to carry out my personal mission which is to you know use football to build better men and i wound up sharing that talk with my football parents in an email uh that i'd given those guys at three o'clock and uh got some amazing feedback and one mom in particular said to me, um, she came and met with me and she said, I just want you to know my husband and I read that email and we began to wonder what negative labels had we assigned to our children in an effort to push them to be their best. We were really telling them they weren't good enough. And it was just really awesome to hear how God was moving in their family and to see how God was moving in our team and really refocused uh, our minds on what was important and what were we doing and, and were we making football a God and, uh, when it was, you know, just a game. And, um, so that, that led to some amazing growth, uh, spiritually for us and, and to live out our mission of, of, um, 
you're trying to be Christ-centered in our coaching, and it was amazing. And, I, and on top of all that, we rattled off seven straight wins, got our second straight region championship, had three first-team All-State players, and our second-ever 3A back-of-the-year finalist at the end of the season when all was said and done. But you would have never known that when you were sitting there staring at that room you know, at 3 o'clock on a Monday, sitting at 1 and 2. So I, I felt like God did some amazing things that people saw the evidence of on the field, but it was really the off-the-field conversations and meetings that were the most special. Talk about, Coach, going from, you know, you're at West Georgia, and then you take the high school job, and so you, you now you're faced with a lot of challenges, right? Like you're building a program. I mean, you can tell me more about how Westminster was when you got there, but you got to build a program. You got to come up with your – uh, basically your football philosophy, what we're going to do. So you go from West Georgia and you get the job at Westminster Christian Academy. What are some things that you did to establish your program there uh, within that first year? Well, you know, the first three years I was the defense coordinator and working for a you know, man that I have the utmost respect for, Stephen Hooks. And he was in my wedding and and I just value his place in my life. And then when he stepped up to be the head of school in 2016, I became the head coach. And, like, man, I'd never been head coach in my life and um, always been an assistant. And, um, man, I you know, always had ideas of what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. And it was a real unique situation because the man I was following was still there. In fact, the man I was following was my boss. And uh, yeah. so, you know, you can't come in with all this bravado and talk about how we're going to change things from the way they were I was a part of the way they were so um I had to put my own stamp on it and as credit to Stephen you know he really stepped back and let me do that and never once said well that's not the way I would have done it or that's not the way I would do it and um he really gave me the freedom and the room to grow as a as a head football coach and um that first year was really tough um I had no idea what I was doing and, and not that I've got it even remotely figured out now but I grew so much that first year in how to treat the staff and how to treat the players and what was really important. And um, we were awful, man. We were two and eight, and I was rethinking life. <laughs> and, um, man, I prayed more than I'd ever prayed. And um, God sent me some amazing men to work with. Um, we made some philosophical and fundamental changes in the program, and we were six and five the next year. And then we went 11 and one, and then last year we were eight and three. So, Really, um, I just tried to build on the culture that Coach Hooks had put into place, and we really tried to just get even more personal with these guys and getting in their life, learning their story, telling our stories, um, just making football more than just the X's and O's. So talk about, you know, you talk about philosophical difference and things like that. I always like to ask coaches, you know, what, as a head coach – I don't know if you're an offense or defensive guy, but uh, you can talk about that as well. But what offense do you run? And, you know, what what do you want to get done with your offense? What are five, you know, just you don't have to give me five, but what are our five things that are important to you uh, offensively? Well, um, this past, I guess, three years, we have run a spread offense Um you know, zones, screens, power, RPOs, vertical passing attack. Um, you know, we like to spread it out, get our athletes in space, 
um, we, we want to take whatever the defense gives us, you know, and capitalize on it. And so I guess I'm a defensive-minded coach, and I gave um, our offensive coordinator, Chris Cagle, you know, just told him he was the head, foot, head, head coach of the offense, and you take it. And But, you know, I guess some important offensive concepts for us were uh, obviously ball security, uh, toughness. Uh, we want to set the tone. Um, you know, we want to be selfless. Everybody has a role, and it doesn't matter who scores. It doesn't matter who gets the most touches. Um, you know, this is a this is a team, and confidence. I mean, uh, you know, our offense has really developed the mindset that we can score anytime from anywhere, and um, they don't care about the score. They don't care about how much time is on the clock. You know, it's kind of a you know, running. Uh, mantra you'll hear some of our offensive guys shout is, well, there's too much time on the clock. You know, we, we can score. And um, so that's been really cool to see how Coach Cagle uh, really changed the, the the way the offense viewed their role. Um, we we were pretty you – know, everybody talked about how much we threw the ball, but we were very balanced in our attack and, um, and the number of runs we had. So uh, he did an amazing job with the offensive staff. He had the number one offense in, in the state in 3A in 2018. And Several weeks we had the you know we scored the most points in the state of any classification and and like I said we had two three A back of the year finalists to come out of that offense so uh, really man I just love to see the offense just flourish under um, the coaches and the direction that they took them and uh, it was it was pretty special. That's awesome. So now pretty much the same question defensively, you know, what defense do you guys run and what is your objective and philosophy from a defensive standpoint? Sure. So we, um, but I've bounced back and forth. And um, when I first got here, we were a three down team. We were running a three, three stack. And um, that's what I'd learned under Joe Kynes at Alabama when I was his GA. And um, but then I'd also GA for Saban. And, um, so we had options to put in a three, four, or, you know, really focus on a four down concept. So that's what we did here. Um, we, we run a four, two, five with multiple coverages. Um, I love to move my front around a lot. I love stunts and games with the front. Um, we're not very big. So I try to capitalize on our quickness or our, you know, our, our intelligence and be able to hopefully give some confusion and some bad reads for teams that are reading linemen or for pass rush and, and, and trying to defeat pass protection. Um, so we do want to use our intelligence to adjust to whatever we see. And um, so we do a lot. I guess my, my objective is I need my guys to be thinkers. I need them to get out there and get me lined up right. So we're multiple. Um, you know, one call can be adjusted to several different uh, alignments based on what the offense gives us. So we don't try not to get stuck in a call. Um, I want to put the game, I guess, in their hands um, rather than me having to call the perfect defense. Um, I just like for the guys to be able to think and get us out of a situation. And so we teach just concepts and then we try to grab those concepts and glue them together into a call. Um, we run a lot of split field coverage where one side's running one thing and another side's completely different. Uh, all that's predicated off of what we see. So uh, thankfully I've got some intelligent kids here that can handle that. And it's been a lot of fun to see them flourish in that system. Um, our, our important defensive concepts, again, I mean, we want to be physical. Um, we need to be confident. You know, if it is to be, it's up to me. I remember hearing that so many times throughout the, my coaching career. And so that's how we play defensively. Uh, we want to be relentless and swarm to that ball. Again, selfless. Um, 
that's one thing that's pretty unique about defense. You know, everybody has got an equal opportunity to hit that ball carrier. So, man, everybody gets a chance to shine at some point on defense. So getting that unity there is, is a little easier sometimes than on the offensive side of the ball. And then we don't ever want to let the offense dictate how we line up. So as coaches, we need to be able to have multiple ways to line up against three by one or empty or two back, one back, whatever it is. I just don't want somebody to keep me in one call all night because then I feel like I didn't do my job to let my guys adjust out of what they're seeing or into something better for what they're seeing. So that's pretty much defense in a nutshell. Coach, talk about special teams, how as a head coach you get your hands wrapped around that and how you include that in your offense and defensive uh, philosophy and how you coach it. So, you know, Jonathan, I was terrified that um, when I finally became a head coach that I was going to be a micromanager. You know, I never liked working for micromanagers, and I was terrified I was going to become one. And um, so through God's grace, I, I hope my staff will say that I did not <laughs> become that. And so what I did was I divided the special teams up amongst the staff. So I take kickoff cover, and then I give, you know, the other phases of the game to, to a coach. And I want them to have ownership. I want them to have responsibility. I want them to have a say. Uh, I want them to come to me and let that affect our game plan. Um, you know, Coach Cagle, our offensive coordinator, he's, you know, he's going to run the punt team, and, and he's going to sculpt that punt team off of what we're doing offensively with the same guys most of the time. Uh, so we have the ability to go for it or we have the ability to punt it and um, keep the defense guessing. Um, he's comfortable with the guys, and we're able to, to roll that out there. Uh, punt return team, you know, we, it's pretty much our defense, but I still gave that to a different coach because I wanted those guys to hear a different voice. So Coach Harris runs that for us and does a phenomenal job. And then same thing with uh, kickoff return and our field goal block, field goal um, protection units, uh, or field goal, um, yeah, field goal block and protection. Uh, I just want each coach to have some say in what we're doing and feel like this phase of the game is on them. And um, so, of course, I've got to make sure it fits everything we're doing. And um, and that's been nice, you know, to see the guys take ownership, step up and practice, you know, run that segment of practice and, and let the staff be in control rather than me in control of, you know, every phase of practice. Um, we typically what we're going to do is we're going to work, um, you know, punt, punt return, and field goal pro on one day. And then the second day of the week, we're going to do kickoff, kickoff return, field goal block. And then two, the rest of those days of practice, the other two days, we're going to review them all. And um, so I try to, you know, if it's a defensive segment, we'll roll, roll, try to roll into field goal return, or excuse me, punt return during a defensive segment just for the flow of practice. Um, you know, start off practice with a kickoff, you know, and then go into offensive work, something along those lines. But, but for the most part, you know, I'm trying to give a lot of autonomy to my staff and what they feel like they need practice-wise. I'll try to carve that out and give them the time they need and, um, and to get the look that they want. Coach, let's talk about Saban for a second because, you know, I know it's interesting that you work for Nick Saban. You know, he's kind of like the godfather of football. You know, everybody has, he has <laughs> – aura about him what was it like to work for him uh man it was great it really was um you know people always ask me you know who did you work harder for and I worked harder for both those guys you know Shula and Saban I mean 
Um, I mean, there, there was so much to be done, and um, and it was really unique working for Coach Saban because Coach Shula was an offensive guy, and I was on the defensive side of the ball, and so I, I didn't really get to interact with Coach very much. But when Saban came, now the head coach is you know, in our meeting rooms, and um, so it was unique, and um, and it was it was awesome, man. It was intimidating um, because I man, I felt like you know now I mean he 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 knows so much and. I know nothing, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but, um, but God really gave me favor. And I remember one day, um, the secretary came in and told me that, um, coach wanted to see me and I went in to go see him and he said, Hey, every day at this time, I'm going to watch recruiting film and I want you in here with me. And, um, so I would sit there. I thought I was going to be his note taker and I wasn't, you know, he would sit there, he'd, he'd write every note and run the film and I would put the next one in for him. But, um, he talked, you know, sometimes he'd pause that film and go, would you sign this kid? And man, I felt like the spotlight was on me, you know, or sometimes he'd open up and say, Hey, yesterday at practice, I said this, did it make sense? You know, did you, did do you understand what I was trying to talk about? And so it was really kind of cool. And, um, I had an unbelievable time in that year, just learning. And, and if you look back at that first staff, I mean, my gosh, um, Jeff Collins was working as an off the field guy. He's a head coach. Jeremy Pruitt was off the field. He's a head coach. Kirby Smart was in that room, head coach. Um, golly, you had um, uh, obviously Cochran was there and Lance Thompson, Bo Davis, all those guys, you know, around the the defensive side of the ball, and and it, just a lot of guys that understood football, and and uh, you just got to be inundated with that. So it was um, it was definitely different. And, um, but it was, it was good. It was really good. So, well, let me ask you this too. I don't mean to put you on the spot. You can just, uh, sure. So why, you know, you, you have all these connections and, um, you're at West Georgia. Why'd you decide to get back in high school instead of, you know, keep on in college? Cause you know, there's probably a lot of high school coaches out there thinking about going to college. Yes, sir. So to, to answer that, I got to tell you my, a little bit more on my background. So I, my parents got divorced when I was three and my mom didn't remarry till I was 23. And so for 20 years, it was me and her. Um, I had no, no siblings that lived in the house with me. And, uh, I saw my dad basically once a year for about a week. And my dad died when I was 36. So yeah, I spent less than a year with my dad over those 33 years. Um, And so that was tough. That was really tough. That that had a bigger effect on me than I than I realized. I probably didn't really see the scope of it until I was older. And um, and I loved my dad. And and uh, and you know we we developed a great relationship later in life. And um, but he died of cancer and, and he was gone. But my you know my whole life I I talked about how I thought to myself, man, I'm going to be a dad and I'm I'm going to be in my kids' lives. You know, I'm going to be a husband. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be the best husband and father I could be. And, um, and so I, yeah, that was my purpose. And so then I work in seven years in high school. Uh, I get married after working for seven years in high school. And the summer that I get married, Jonathan, I get the call to go be a GA. And so now I'm working like 80, 90 hours a week, you know, and my first son was born in April of coach Saban's first year. And so I'm working and grinding and doing everything I can to, to advance, you know, and prove that I'm a hard worker and somebody that somebody would want to hire. And, um, anyway, I get the job at West Georgia. I'm over there just grinding away 
and my wife is from Tuscaloosa, and her her you know parents lived in Tuscaloosa. So in the summer, I'd go back to the university and I'd work a camp, and it was like a paid vacation. You know, I'd go work, and the university would pay me to work the camp and reimburse me for travel, and I'd get to see my in-laws and my my sons would be able to see them also, and um, so it was great. And then one day I was uh, we finished the morning session of camp. And I'm walking, Coach Saban's got all the kids up in this huge circle, and he's talking to them, and I'm walking behind them, and Burton Burns is walking toward me. And Burton and I have a little connection because he's from New Orleans. I was born in New Orleans, and um, we always, even though he worked the offensive side of the ball, we'd always talk. And um, he sees me, comes over, and he hugs me, and and we start talking, and he says, hey, um, man, I got a new grandson. I said, Burton, I bet you are loving that. And he goes, man, you know the way we work. I don't get to see him very much, but man, Connie sends me pictures and he showed me some pictures and I walked to my car after we got done talking and man, Jonathan, I just shrunk, man. I got in my car. I was, I, I was almost running to get to my car because I didn't want to, I didn't want anybody to say I was crying and I got in my car and I'm sobbing and I'm like, man, I'm going to work in the morning and coming home at night and it's dark and my kids are asleep and I'm slaving to get to a place like the university of Alabama for what, you know, like how much money is it worth, you know, to how much money do I need to not see my kids? And I felt like I was becoming, uh, you know, a dad and creating a situation like what I grew up in where I basically just wasn't around and never, you know, never got any complaints from my wife. I mean, she was completely supportive and knew that this was a dream of mine and, and, um, but God really, man, God really dealt with me. So I say that with caution. I'm not trying to condemn anybody that's in that world. I've got a lot of friends that do that and they make it work. And, um, and God's blessed them with some amazing situations where they can work and, and have tons of family time. I kept dreaming I was going to get that and I never did. And, um, and so God really just hit me in that car in the summer of 2013. And I'll never forget just crying in my car and I, prayed and then when I finally dried the tears up I pulled my phone out and I had an email from Stephen Hooks from Westminster Christian Academy who I'd started working for in 1998 and he said hey I got a spot love to have you come back and be my defensive coordinator and it was at that moment I called my wife and I said uh, this is an opportunity and I think I want to do it and if it had been a year before that I said no yeah. uh, no I'm a college coach I'm, I'm working for this end game but what I realized was um I was ready, you know, God, God had uh, softened my heart to that. And, and really I had, it was my own pride that was in the way, you know, I, I wanted to prove to everybody, you know, I mean, look how good a, a coach I can be and look at me and what I've done. It's almost like God opened that door for me to go to college. And I just looked at God and said, thanks. And just took off running, you know, into that world and, and, and didn't rely on him. I was going to, I was going to do it by my works, by my strength, by my work ethic. And, um, man, I hit my head against so many walls and we get frustrated when I didn't get a job or somebody I knew got a job that I felt I should have gotten and turned into a, just a horrible person. And uh, I remember I called Coach Kynes. I'd call him all the time. I was like, Coach, do you know this guy? Can you call him? Can you call him? And one day he said, Louie, this is the last call I'm going to make for a, lot, for a while. And, uh, and man, it, that, that was like a punch in the gut. Yeah. And I said, Coach, you told me when I left Alabama to never let this game change me to stay the, the man I was, I said, coach, I feel like I've changed. He goes in that classic Joe Kahn's voice. He goes, Louie, you've changed. And I, man, that, that was a punch in the gut. And I, I was 
so repentant that night. I apologized to him, apologized to my wife, apologized to God, and um, just realized I was going down a path I didn't need to go down, and, and God worked it out for me to be here. And um, and have loved it, haven't even thought twice about going back into that world. That is awesome. Good story. Um, all right, finally, you know, time time's pretty much up, but I want to get this from you. What What are five things? You don't have to give me five things. You know, you've had great success there at Westminster Christian Academy. What are five things that you think about yourself that you do that you think are critical to helping you guys be successful? Oh, man. Um, well, I would have to say, I mean, I, I want to purpose every day, and this may sound cliche, but, I mean, God's got to be first and foremost, and I've asked, I've got several men that I work with that I either coached or I worked with, you know, before, and I'm, they're very close to me, and uh, I, I tell them, hold me accountable. Don't Don't let me you know, focus on me. Don't let me, you know, take the blame and think, wow, I'm just a horrible person because we're not winning and, and, and take that kind of credit or take the credit for, hey, look how good I am and we're, I'm a great coach. We're winning. Um, you know, I, I don't need to make myself more important and, uh, than I think I am. And, and, um, and so I, I really want to be held accountable and put God first. And so I believe that's critical, and I'll, I'll tell my wife that. You know, you think I'm getting too big for my, you know, britches, man, just knock me down. And and um, so God's blessed me to have men in my life uh, that I'm currently with or people that I've worked with in the past or people that mentored me growing up that they keep me grounded and keep me focused. And honestly, most of the time, it's not me being full of myself. It's me being negative. You know, man, I'm I'm awful. I'm the worst. I'm, I'm you know, I'm saying I'm dragging bottom here. And and feeling just like I, I'm not right for the job sometimes. And I may not say that, but I'm internally, the people that know me, they know that's what I'm battling. And um, so God really used a lot of special people to encourage me. So I, I feel like purpose, purposing in my heart to say, God, you're in control, and i got to be reminded of that. So send me people that will keep, hold me accountable. That's That's been huge for me. Um, uh, I, I want to coach the, the player first. Excuse me, the, the person first and the player second, okay. and uh, and realize that this is just a game. Um, I, I, I've been through a little uh, leadership program called Leader Kit by a guy named Jeremy Boone, who I've got a tremendous amount of respect for, and and he's helped me refocus some things. And a lot of this stuff comes from things that you know, I've, I've worked through his his uh, program and um, and just trying to focus on truth. That all improvement starts with the truth. Uh, focus on connecting with people as opposed to just trying to communicate something to them. Um, gosh, I've learned I can't outperform my own self-identity, that uh, I need to know who I am in Christ and not let my circumstances define me. And um, if I identify that I'm not I'm not smart enough, good enough, then that's what I'm going to live up to. And if I say, look how awesome I am and I can do, you know, I can handle this, then I'm going to inflate my own ego and not be able to to perform into that and and so i've just uh been blessed with some people that have helped me shape you know who i am and what i am and how i how i do what i do and most importantly why i do what i do and um so i i guess if if it's anything that i'm doing that's making me successful it's just i'm realizing how much i need help 
and how much I just pray for God to send me people that can fill that void and encourage me and, and lead me where I need to be. Absolutely, Coach. Well, Coach, it's been fun, man. It's been, uh, you know, enjoy talking with you. I always like to end uh, praying, if you don't mind. Yes, sir. Lord, we're coming for you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. First and foremost, we praise and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. Lord, I praise and thank you for Coach LeBlanc and everything that you've done in his life. And uh, Lord, it's it's obvious just listening to him talk that, that he loves you and he's passionate about becoming uh, growing as a man of Christ and the Lord proclaiming your name um, and living as a light and an ambassador for your kingdom. And so I just pray that you continue to bless him, uh, bless the program there uh, where he is and bless his family. Uh, and he may he continue to shine as a light. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength And my story isn't over, my story's just begun And failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does Yeah, failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does Father